Welcome to Inclusion and Marketing, the show that's all about giving you the skills and insights you need to win the attention, adoration, and loyalty of more consumers, especially those with differences that are often ignored by brands. I'm your host, Sonia Thompson, a marketer and a person with a lot of differences. Let's get to it. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This podcast features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insight from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. I was talking to a potential client recently, and she mentioned that her company doesn't have the best track record when it comes to paying well. No bueno. I have another client who is part of my programs who spends a ton of time working to create a value proposition that attracts a certain kind of team member to her growing business. Now, both of these companies are taking two different approaches to their employer brand and are getting very different outcomes as a result, as you might imagine. This whole concept of an employer brand is newer to many, but it has a big impact on your ability to attract the talent you need to build a team that is representative of the people you want to serve. So I brought in an expert on the topic, Desiree Booker, founder of Color Vision Labs. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hey, Desiree, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? Hey, Sonia, thanks so much for having me. I am doing great. Very excited for our conversation today. All right, well, let's go ahead and dive right into it. Um, Just tell the people, who are you and what do you do? Of course. My name is Desiree Booker. I am the founder, CEO, and principal consultant of Color Vision Lab. Uh, We serve both the employer and the employee at Color Vision Lab. So on the B2B side, we work with companies to help them reshape and develop their employer brands to be more inclusive so that they are attracting the right talent to their organization. And then on the B2C side, we provide career and leadership coaching to professional Black women. All right. Sounds good. Well, let's dive in right into the topic that I wanted to cover with you today. Um, And it's all about employer brand. What is an employer brand? I keep hearing this term over and over again. So I figured I'm probably not the only one um, who the term was new to. So tell us, what is an employer brand? Yes, absolutely. So we're going to be hearing that term thrown around quite a bit in 2022, especially as we talk about the war for talent. But uh, an employer brand is essentially a company's reputation as an employer um, and how you're perceived in the marketplace by job seekers. So when we think about um, all the things uh, about your company that would attract a potential talent, you know, that essentially encompasses your employer brand in in a nutshell. So what is it that has changed? Like, why is this all of a sudden, I don't know, it feels like it's all of a sudden a term that people are starting to talk about. And like you said, it's going to increase drastically 
Like, is, has there been something that just sort of clicked that made people say that we need to start focusing on this? Yes, the Great Resignation happened. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> you know, if you, whatever you want to call it, the Great Reshuffle, the Great Resignation, the Great Reimagination. There's so many different names for it. But, um, you know, we saw millions and millions of people, I think it was about 4 million people, left the workplace in 2021. And, uh, you know, that's expected to continue, you know, in terms of people moving around to different types of employment. We're seeing uh, employees look at freelance opportunities, pursue entrepreneurship. Um, and it's really because they're they're wanting to take back their power. They, they you know, this is the year of the job seeker um, and a great year for talent to, you know, find their dream job, quote unquote. And so I think the trends that we've been seeing is is that you know employees are tired of being underpaid, uh, unappreciated. They want more flexibility in their schedules. They really want to be more in control of how they work and what their careers look like. And so uh, you know these have been trends that we've seen. Uh, many, many years prior to COVID even happening. But I think this is one of the first times in history that we've actually gotten the attention of companies because employees are, are actually, um, you know, they're taking action against the things that they say that they want. And so, you know, now um, CEOs across companies at, you know, very different, various industries are all concerned about the issue of how do we attract, recruit, and also retain talent when there's this massive talent shortage right now. Right. No, it's a it's a big issue. Now, I'm wondering, is this, I totally get uh, focusing on an, your employer brand whenever you have a good number of employees. Is this applicable for smaller businesses who have contractors that they're working with just, and they don't actually have any full-time um, staff? Absolutely. So some of our clients actually have business models where they solely rely on contractor talent um, to actually deliver services. And then they might have FTE employees, uh, you know, on their leadership team. Okay. And I mean, even for a company of my size, we're very small um, and we have a, a large contractor base for our talent. And we, I think every company at any size has to think about their employer brand because a company cannot run without talent, whether it's part-time, full-time, contractors. And that talent, regardless of how they work, they have choices. And, and we have to keep that in mind. So, you know, you have to be competitive when it comes to compensation, be, you know, be competitive in terms of the of the benefits and, and the work environment that you could provide, the culture. And, you know, these things matter even if they're contractors. People still want to be engaged in the work. They want to, you know, be engaged in, in a team and, and they want to enjoy what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So at all levels, this is something that we should be thinking about um, because if we're not thinking about it, then you will end up spending a lot more money in recruitment costs, um, you know, and also in turnover costs. If you have to keep rehiring talent, you know, think of all the onboarding, you know, fees and resources and, and things like that you have to put out to acquire and retain talent. Right. So, um, you know, companies of all size really have to think think about this and and, and prioritize it as a C-suite priority. So you bring up a great point, right? This is something where it's talent, they're the hot the hot thing that everybody needs, right? They're because of this talent shortage, people need to make sure that they are offering something that makes people want to stick around with them, right? Right. So here we focus a lot on talking about belonging 
And I know that it's not just about making your customers feel like they belong. It's also making sure that your team feels like they belong. What are the components that you would say are important for people to be thinking about from an employer branding standpoint that will help make the people that they want to serve, the people that they want to have on their team feel like they belong. I think you mentioned it too, a couple in terms of like compensation and you know like some of the benefits. Are there other things that they should be taking into consideration as well? Yes. Culture is at the root of it all, you know, because it, okay. it, the, the culture that you're building for your company, it, it will precede your reputation as an organization across the board. So, you know, when we think about how we're treating the employees that decided to stay, you know, what, what, how do they feel? What, what motivates them? Do they feel like they're being productive? Do they feel like they're being recognized and, and given the resources that they need to succeed in their roles? I think that, you know, it, it does vary depending on the company and the industry and also the specific type of talent that you're targeting, but you really need to get to the root of, you know, what does your ideal talent look like and how can we build an environment? Environment that supports their growth. You know, so some for some employees, it I mean, it, it depends on, I mean, people with disabilities have different needs than people, you know, who come from underrepresented, you know, uh, racial backgrounds. And so I know specifically for, for women of color, pay equity is a big thing, promotions um, and visibility, exposure, getting sponsorship that you need to, to advance your career is a huge thing. Um, but also, you know, the, the specific management that you're reporting too. So, you know, we have, you know, the tip top of the organization, we have the C-suite, but then we have these middle managers who are really governing the talent and these leaders who sometimes aren't the most capable or competent, have the best, you know, EQ, and they're creating this toxic culture that's driving people out. And so that's why when we think about employer brand, we have to think, well, what type of culture do we want to build here? How can we help our people to, to, to deliver their best work and be their fullest selves? And that does vary depending on what type of organization you have. Absolutely. Absolutely. So much to think about. Um, now, you did mention uh, thinking about the type of workforce that you want to have. As more people and brands are starting to put more focus on building a team that is representative of the customers that they want to serve, Mm -hmm. um, naturally, they're going to have a more diverse workforce. So it's important to have an employer brand that also is inclusive. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are the types of things that you would say that leaders need to be thinking about to build an inclusive employer brand so that people of all different types of backgrounds can feel like they belong? Yes. So representation is is going to be key. And when we think about how we display that representation, so, you know, the core parts of the employer brand are, are really, especially for 2022, are going to be your digital presence. So when we mm-hmm. think about, you know, a careers page that, you know, shows diverse imagery, has diverse, has uh, inclusive language, is accessible to, to everyone that you want to attract. Um, when we think about DEI social proof, that is, that is a, a trend that we saw really spark up in 2020, wow. you know, with, um, you know, the killings of Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and, and George Floyd. And though that's continuing well into 2022. So are we holding our company accountable to do the things that we say we're going to do? And so, you know, I think a lot of organizations make the mistake of they do the work so quietly if they're doing it at all. And as a potential 
you know, employee, as a job seeker, I have no idea what's going on. Like, you know, I don't know if you actually said that you're, if you actually implemented the programs that you said you would when this was a huge national talking point. So the DEI social proof is huge as well. Um, We also have to really, really invest in the candidate and employee experience. So, you know, we, we want to think about when we're bringing, you know, a, a prospect through our candidate process, how are, are our recruiters trained to engage the talent, especially diverse talent, properly? You know, is the language proper? Is the communication cadence inclusive? Are we making them feel, you know, feel comfortable enough to even be able to articulate the value that they can contribute to the organization? Or are we creating an environment where it's like, you know, this attitude of you should just feel grateful to be interviewing for this role. And you don't have, you know, the company doesn't have to do anything to court them. But at this point in this labor market, the courting goes both ways. A company, you you need to put in the effort to make these candidates feel welcome, feel comfortable, and feel like they can really see themselves being successful at your organization. It, it begins at the very early stages of exposure to your brand. And then also thinking about onboarding, you know, how does that 36 60, 90 day process look. Are we being inclusive of this new, like, you know, we have this, this hybrid world of work where, you know, some people are fully remote still, some people are back in the office, some people are having like a, a hybrid thing going on. And so we have to be, be very attentive to what that process looks like at every stage because it can really make or break the employee experience. And when we have positive experiences as candidates and employees, then we go tell our friends who are also people who probably are, um, you know, people of color, people with disabilities and things of that nature. And then we're creating kind of this domino effect of uh, referrals into your organization. But on the flip side, if we are having a bad experience, then we're going to Glassdoor. We're going to all these review sites and we're telling people about mm-hmm. it, right? So, right. You, got, you know, we have to think about that. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron or could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs in a full 360 view of every customer so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. So you said something, um, a term that I hadn't heard before, but I really like it. Um, I think you said um, DEI social proof. Mm -hmm. And I understand why that's important, especially as you're trying to attract diverse talent. They want to know that the company that they're going to work for is a place where they can feel like they belong. How does a company balance that social proof from a DEI perspective um, without doing it in a way that feels performative. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That is a great question. You know, so it, it definitely is a fine line because you, you don't want to have your DEI commitments reduced to a paragraph at the bottom of your careers page. You know, that de- <laughs> that definitely sends a signal. You know, it sends a, right. a message, right? Um, but I think that, you know, it's a standard practice to have um, a diversity, equity, inclusion page, or at least have a healthy um, amount of content at like the top third of your careers page around DE&I, have it, you know, kind of forward facing. And the first thing that I see when I go to your website, so it communicates to me that this is a priority. Um, it's right. a standard practice to have, you know, your DEI uh, statement, your official statement or stance around diversity, equity, and inclusion. You can include a brief synopsis of any um, employee resource groups or any specific initiatives around DEI. I don't think that, I mean, some companies are putting out their diversity reports to show exactly like how they've been able to move the needle. I think that it's great when companies do that, but I don't think that it's necessarily a requirement. Okay. But from the job seeker standpoint, you know, think about what they want to know. Like as a person of color here or, you know, a person from an underrepresented group, how exactly will I be supported? And so that's when we think about, you know, the ERGs and, you know, any type of leadership development programs, career advancement programs, or, you know, and, and put your your benefits, your perks, you know, that, that really amplify your company culture. But I don't think that we need to have I mean, it, it really is on a case-by-case basis, but and this is why you have like dedicated DEI people to kind of vet this stuff. But mm-hmm. I think that those are kind of the standard areas. I mean, also some some like a video, like video is so powerful when it comes to, dem- you know, showing right. DEI commitments as well. Like there's nothing better than hearing like testimonials and, and, and stories from, from people who are working for you. But I think that another way to kind of round it out is just do content as well, like organic content marketing. Okay. So if you have some some content that your, your LinkedIn page is putting out from a company standpoint, just to provide regular updates on what you're doing, it doesn't seem performative to me. It just kind of seems like you're keeping me abreast on what's going on. So I, I, I would I would say those are my two cents on that, but it really does vary. <laughs> you, I would have to take a look at what you have. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I love the responses. I love your advice. And the way that I've been advising people as well is, because you're right, it is a fine line. It's helpful if you talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging related topics on a regular basis so Mm -hmm. that it doesn't feel like when something happens or if you're trying to make a big recruitment push that you're making all these comments putting out all this content or, you know, making these Mm -hmm. statements in a way that feels like you're just doing it so that you can seem like you are inclusive. Mm -hmm. But if it's part of your ongoing conversation, if it's a part of the way you operate, it's part of the way you communicate, it makes it a whole lot easier because it's normal for you to talk about these things. And it just makes people, makes it the expectation um, that people have of you. It doesn't feel odd or out of place. Exactly. I cannot agree more. That, exactly. it, It really has to become embedded in the culture. And I mean, the way that we send that message is through consistency. It's very simple, you know, right. just keep talking about it and and keep reinforcing that this is a, that DEI is an integral piece of your culture. Well, what would you recommend that people do if they want to get started building a, 
an inclusive employer brand? What is what is their first step? Mm-hmm. So I always recommend um, doing, I mean, there's a series of activities that you can do around building employer brand identity, but, you know, we have to figure out Mm -hmm. what your identity is. Just as as the same same activities that you would do uh, for your overall company brand, you do the same things for the employer brand. So this involves, you know, some competitive market research to understand, you know, what your competitors, how your competitors are showing up in the marketplace, uh, you know, in comparison to how you're showing up, really getting clear about what your employee value proposition is. That is super, super important, you know, because you're going to have to communicate through various channels how you, you know, what you can offer to a talent to, um, you know, to have them work at your company and, and be happy there, right? And so, Auditing is like is is really the best way to to get started. Doing an audit of your existing brand to really diagnose where the issues are and where the gaps are. And typically, you know, we would have to build out candidate personas and right. things like that. But you know, there's a diagnostic process that you know any consulting company would would walk you through, or you can do it internally if you have the the resources to do so. Got it. All right. Well, we're going to, um, I'm going to put in the show notes, um, information, your information. So if people want to learn more and get some assistance on building an employer brand, they can check out, um, your website and, you know, follow you on social so they can, um, Eric can connect with you easily to get more information on that. Desiree, we can talk a lot more on this. Um, but I know we got to wrap up any parting words for business leaders who want to create an employer brand and particularly want to create an inclusive employer brand so they can attract and retain mm-hmm. <laughs> high quality diverse talent. Yes. You know, and I I kind of touched on this already, but I do want to emphasize, you know, when in a time where we have talent really kind of playing the field and 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 going where the best opportunities are uh really really reward and show appreciation to your employees who decided to stick it out with you and maintain a commitment to your organization i would hate for companies to go out and really try to bring new talent into a culture that is broken a culture that is not working for the talent that you hope to attract and so really really seek to build this thing from the inside out and um and really just take care of your people. And when when you do that, you'll find that it's a lot easier for you to tell that story and bring more high quality talent into the company if your existing employees are happy and thriving. So those would be my parting words, uh, but I'm very curious to see kind of how this thing unfolds as we move through 2022. It's going to be a wild ride this year. <laughs> it absolutely is. Desiree, this has been fantastic. Thank you again. And we look forward to following along and learning more from you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Sonia. Always a great time. Desiree had so many great things to share. And there's one thing in particular I want you to spend some time thinking about from what we discussed. And that is the concept of your diversity social proof. What is your social proof in that regard? And how do you talk about it in your communications? It's becoming more and more important and goes a long way with helping talent and even consumers identify whether or not they belong with you. That's it for this episode. If you'd like more information on how to get started building your inclusive brand, that wins the attention, adoration, and loyalty of more consumers, grab my Inclusive Marketing Starter Kit. 
Head on over to inclusivemarketing.co slash starter kit to get it. And if you like this episode, I would so appreciate it if you'd share it with a friend and even rate and review it in your podcast app of choice. It'll help get the word out so others can get going delivering inclusive experiences. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to make sure more people feel like they do. Somebody's waiting on you. Thanks for listening.